I'm Sarah Lerner. I'm Dave Price, and this is the Teachers Unify podcast. On tonight's episode, we're going to hear Abby Clement's story about being a school shooting survivor. Well, Abby, uh, thank you uh, very much for joining us. Now, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Abby went through maybe, just to qualify it, maybe one of the most horrific experiences a teacher could have. Um, she was there when a killer came into the school and threatened every student there, in the sense once they enter, and every teacher. And uh, of course, um, you became an active, I don't wanna say, yeah, I'm gonna say advocate for doing something about this American tragedy of guns and violence. So why don't you tell the story in your own words and uh, let people know the Abby Clement story of why she's doing what she's doing in the terms of guns and violence. Thank you so much for having me. Um, on December 14th, 2012, I went to teach my second graders. Um, I was preparing them for the day. They were actually going to make some snowflakes for the PTA luncheon. And we had to get that done quickly because we had heard that the principal was going to be coming around and maybe doing some check-ins. So, you know, teachers, teachers uh, worry about that kind of thing, and they're on it. And so I was trying to get the class quiet so I can tell them the directions. And I suddenly heard what sounded like metal chairs falling. And it wasn't metal chairs, but perpetrator who shot into the building turned left instead of right. I was the second classroom on the right. And did the unimaginable uh, to the beautiful first graders and their beloved educators, teachers. And I sat with my students and we, we struggled through, through the horrific experience. The, my students heard all 154 shots being um, blared through the building. And we had no idea where the gunfire was coming from. And so we sat tight and I tried to distract them the best that I could by reading to them, tried singing um, some songs with them. Um, and then we heard people on the roof. And at that point, I, mean, I thought it was a gang of people. I couldn't even comprehend that this could have been one person. And at that point, I didn't know what or who it was on the roof, but I told the kids that they were the good guys and they were coming to save us. And then we heard banging on the door and they said, scream, there was yelling, get your kids out, let's go. Not like that, <laughs> like screaming. And I was terrified to open that door because I wasn't sure who it was and if it was indeed the police, but I had to believe it. And the kids were telling me what to do. 
one of them said, um, you know, they were telling me, you have to open the door. And I said, I'm afraid. But we, but I opened the door and we ran out of there. And it was awful because I remember my outstretched arms and I could, I had like several kids running with me, but they, they ran. So we kind of lost each other for a little bit and they don't really have a memory of which door I went open out but what was also very scary was it was an active situation still because they didn't know how many gunmen there were and so there were like state police positioned you know knees bent arms you know guns drawn yelling at us to go it was very very scary and we ran to the firehouse and we slowly began to hear murmurs of the travesty that was done to people and lives ruined forever. And, you know, we were all trying to find our students and parents were trying to get them. And it was just the most horrific chaos that you can imagine. And there was a before and there was an after for me. You know, there was, I, lived in a quaint, beautiful little town in Connecticut with this sweet school taught there. Um, my kids were in the district. My daughter was in lockdown at the high school. Not sure what was happening. I had to call. I was able to call my son, tell him that there was a shooter and that kids were killed and that I'm okay and my students are okay. He was 11. And there was the before me, and there was an after me. And it was, it's interesting because it kind of take time, took some time to recognize who I think that person was after that. You know, for me, I just, I really, you know, I was trained to be a teacher. I loved being a teacher, and I loved just the structure of being a teacher, you know, I was home for my kids in the afternoons and home in the summers and vacations. And they, did, they just did little camps because I was always around. And that's really all that, you know, was really important to me. And then after I knew I, I needed to do, to be something more. And my, my daughter was actually the first one in the family to, to become the activist. And although, you know, cause I wasn't ready yet. I had to save all of my energy for like my students went through something so horrific and then my own children and the house was just like, you know, I was crying all the time when I was home, the waves of grief, it, it was just, it was day to day for quite a while, but my daughter was slowly going to meetings, you know, we would drive her and drop her off and she would get back in and she was hopeful. And I remember at one point saying to her, do you really think something could change? And I remember her yelling at me, yes, it can change. It can. And she's right. And it can change. Um, she was right at 16 and she's, you know, grown almost 10 years since then. We're on nine years since the, the tragedy. So she too is sort of grown up and through this. But anyway, for me, it was, I knew that 
activism. I knew I'd be following in her footsteps in just a few months. And really, that was true. As soon as I could, I remember she was invited to a, um, to a meeting. And, and it was over the summer, so just a few months after. And I said, I think I'm going to go with you, Sarah. I think I could do another Sarah. <laughs> and she said, I think, I think I can go, go there with you. And then something happened. I don't know. She couldn't, she couldn't attend. And I was like, I can't go there by myself, can I? And I did. And, um, and I never really looked back. I knew those were my people, the people who were going to stand and with a sign, sign of petitions online, posting data specific, you know, points about gun violence and how it affects disproportional, disproportionately communities of color, how, you know, the number of unintentional shootings. So, I mean, this is who I slowly became. And I think what I loved most, if I look back over those years, is, is really two, or two things. One is connecting with other survivors from across the country in every kind of unimaginable, hor unimaginable horrific shooting um, and then the other thing was organizing. And I really love trying to figure out the challenge of figuring out, you know, how to get people engaged in this issue, how to make it fun, believe it or not, like have a house party and invite your friends um, and like make phone calls while you're there to your senators um, to urge them to pass some bill. So I found, I find that to be, a challenge but it's like a creative challenge and so if I look back over these nine years you know th those are the things that really I think have defined like the after for me and it was the only way that I could figure out how to fight like the survivor guilt that oftentimes people who go through something like this feel and it has brought me to different, you know, opportunities, different experiences in volunteerism. And now it's brought me to Teachers Unified and Gun Violence. Thanks for listening. Tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Remember, you can listen to our podcast on teachersunify.transistor.fm or on Amazon, Apple, Google, and Spotify podcast sites. Please follow us on Twitter at Teachers Unify PC and online at teachersunify.org.